How are we doing? Great? Happy? I am. Yes. I hear you. Beautiful day outside, huh? 60 degrees in February. Thank you, Jesus. My name is Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at Carney E. Free. Great to be with you today. Uh, we did have a sweet dedication service in this room and in the chapel and the prayer room just now. And those are all open and available now. Great, great spaces. Thank you for your generosity to help make those happen. I want to let you know, Bob, before I jump into... Yeah, we can clap for that. It was great. <laughs> Welcome if you're watching online as well this morning. I want to uh, just give a couple quick resources before I jump in today. We started a 2020 chronological Bible reading plan uh, together at the beginning of uh, January. And uh, it's not taking us through the whole Bible, it's just portions of the Bible and then the entire New Testament. And if you haven't yet picked one of those up, these are available for you at the information table. Uh, our family reads them together in the evening, and it's been really great for our family devotions. I encourage you to consider the same. Uh, last week we had the Gospel at Work with uh, Sebastian Traeger here. And we have a number of these books available at the From Sunday to Everyday Initiative table through these doors. And Sebastian just did a wonderful job leading us last week as he talked about the authority, authority in the workplace, good authority and bad authority in the workplace. And uh, we didn't have the books last week, unfortunately, but we do now. And this is an excellent, really accessible book. If you've been struggling in the workplace, if you've been struggling with idleness or idolatry around work, identity related to work, finding the right assignment for, for you to work in, all of those things that we've been talking about in this series, I would really recommend this resource for further reading. And um, these are both, both this book and then this one called The Art of Neighboring, are part of our Sunday to Everyday Initiative, which is a nine-month initiative in our broader strategic vision that we are seeking to not just practice our faith on Sunday morning, no thanks, practice our faith throughout the week and the way that we live it out with our coworkers and our neighbors and folks at the university and uh, everywhere else. And so this is about how to make a greater difference in our neighborhood as we seek to love people for the cause of Christ. So again, you can get those out there at the Sunday to Everyday table or at the information table. I'm going to jump in right into this morning, morning's message since we started uh, a little bit late today. Um, we better get going. This morning's message is about calling. I, I used to believe that God gave each person a specific vocational calling based on the way that he made each of us and that would fulfill us across life. I used to believe that. The more I study the Bible, the less I believe that. I, I simply don't believe that anymore. This idea of calling is one that has caused so much frustration so much consternation for so many people. I see some people nodding their heads with me right now because it's this vague, mystical idea that we're taught from a young age, go find your calling. And then you don't. Or you don't find a job that uses all of your abilities and gifts. And so you're left at the end of each day, the end of each week, the end of each year, oftentimes saying man, I feel like I'm just biding my time. This job is not my calling. Why can't I find a calling? 
Why, why can't I find something that I am made for, a calling that I can fit into? And what inevitably ends up happening out of that is we treat our jobs as second class and we don't bring our very best work to our jobs if we're not careful. Uh, other people are kind of looking around constantly for that one big thing that God has made them for. And if they don't find that one big thing, they kind of eventually fall into a panic. What is wrong with me? Why can't I find this? I've talked to a number of young people over the years who have told me, you know, it was prophesied over me or someone at church told me that I was going to be a pastor. Someone at church told me when I was 15 that I was going to be an overseas missionary. And here I am, 40 years old, and I've never been out of the country. What, what happened? What happened to that calling that I had? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts before. And I personally think they arise from a misunderstanding about calling. And so what I want to do here today is simply teach on a biblical vision of calling, how we understand the difference between calling and assignment and what God has for us in that. And in order to do that, uh, we're going to draw three uh, concentric circles up here. You'll find those on your outline. If you didn't get an outline as you came in today, you could draw this on a piece of paper. You can memorize it, take it with you. Really, really simple stuff here. But what I want to communicate most of all is that you and I and everyone that we meet, we actually do have an unconditional calling. It's just different though than we think. We have an unconditional, unconditional calling. You might write in the center of those circles, UC1. Your unconditional call is this. Follow Christ in everything. That's it. That is your unconditional call to follow Christ in everything that you do. Now the Bible used the word call hundreds of times. Hundreds of times the, the, the Greek word kaleo is used. And its Hebrew counterpart as well. But most of the times, over 90% of the times, the, the biblical word kaleo is used. It's for... Um, Abraham called him Isaac, or they called the place Bethel. They called the place Gilgal, the same way that we would use the word call for naming something. Nothing mysterious about that, right? Okay, nothing mysterious about that. Most of the other times that the biblical word call is used is to refer to this unconditional invitation, this beckoning invite from God that he says, I have given my son for you, now come to me, will you say yes? It's that invitation, it's that call that God makes out to the world. You see this in 1 Corinthians 1.9, for example. It says, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he is faithful. So our God has called you into fellowship, which is a word for friendship. God's called you into friendship with Jesus Christ our Lord. He's called you to be a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. Through Jesus Christ, you enter into his family, and as you say yes to that call, as you say yes to that invitation, then you are fully known, fully loved, no fear of rejection. You're in his family. Okay? That's the call. Then from that call from God, our call is this. I will follow you. Whatever you give me, God, I'm going to follow you in every area of life. So look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 23 up on the screen. 
Here's the description of that call for us. If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were... Okay, look to what you're called. I don't hear any amens. If you suffer for doing what is good, this is commendable. To this you were called. Because Jesus Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you would follow in his steps. That as you pursue goodness across all of life, every domain of life, as you seek to follow him, there will be times that you are rejected by people. We all know that. There will be times that others stand opposed but because we're serious about Christ or we seek to bring the kingdom of God to others by the power of Christ and others might oppose you for that but it's to this that you were called even with it the sufferings that are inevitable which will come as we follow Christ. It goes on that same passage Jesus who calls us he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. To this you were called. Again, it's like super quiet in here. Okay? <laughs> I mean, this is not the prosperity gospel that you're going to hear about on TV. But this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, that we are called oftentimes to things that are hard. Pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. He who seeks to save his life will actually lose it, Jesus said. He who loses life for my sake will actually find it, Jesus said. To this we are called. That we would advance the gospel everywhere and everything, doing good to everyone that we see. As the great pastor and evangelist John Wesley put it, do all the good that you can. Here's your calling. Do all the good that you can, by all the means that you can, in all the ways that you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. There it is. This is the unconditional call of God brought into the family of God, brought into fellowship with Him, and then out of that, we live out the great commandment to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love others as ourselves, and then to pursue the great commission that God has given us to make a difference wherever we go. Now there's a second unconditional call that some of us have. And it's an unconditional call to a marriage or to children. I have an unconditional call in my life to be husband to Susie, to be father to Elijah and Silas. And that's a call that I'm never to break. It's a covenant that we even speak of. Many of you would share... A similar call as a husband or as a wife as a mother or as a father and we even say things when we come to a wedding day and come up before a company of witnesses and but before God it's for richer for poor in sickness and in health till death would do we part I give you my promise that's my calling to honor this relationship the Apostle Paul goes on to say that some people um, could even be called to singleness did you know that some people could be called to marriage, and some people could be called to singleness. Now, I know that we have people in a variety of stages of life in here, some that have gone through the pain of divorce, and God will take you right where you are, and you just move from right where you are right now. I'm not condemning in any way, but the, the point is, scripturally, that these callings are intended to be irrevocable. 
That God's calling unto us that we say yes to him and we follow him, that's tended to be irrevocable. Uh, he's irrevocable in his call. He will never be faithless to us. He will always be faithful to us. And so also we commit to the key relationships that he has given us. But my point related to singleness is some people would be called to that. In fact, when the Apostle Paul's talking about calling in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, I wish more of you would be called as I am to singleness. Because this is a wonderful calling in which, if the Lord would call you to singleness, you're able to devote yourself to following him and serving him more than I am because I'm married with kids. That's what he's saying in the most practical way. You can devote more of your time to that. Now, that's crazy in American culture, I know, where we think that another person completes us, and we cannot imagine that someone could be fulfilled outside of sexual relationships. We cannot imagine that intimate friendships would be sufficient enough, along with the intimacy of Christ, but they are. Like, was Jesus a fulfilled man? Somebody say yes. Okay. <laughs> was Jesus a fulfilled man? Yeah, he was, a he was single, called to singleness. Was Paul a fulfilled man, called to singleness? Okay, so we need to recapture this in the church, even as we talk about a calling to marriage or to parenting. No person is made to complete you. Another person might compliment you, but they're not made to complete you. No job is made to complete you. A job might compliment you, but no job is made to complete you. So we have these callings, these Unconditional callings, number one and number two, which are not to be broken, and we fight for these essential relationships that God has given us. Now, the third circle is the one that we oftentimes think of as calling, but it's not. It's our assignment. And so you might just write the letter A up there. It's your assignment in the third concentric circle, and here's the fill in the blank. Your assignment is what you do as you live out your calling to reflect the king. And we can do just about any job, there's some exceptions, but we can do almost any job and do it for the honor and the good of God our King, reflect Him to the watching world around us, even if it's not something that we particularly like right now. And there's not a division between sacred jobs and secular jobs. Again, um, week one of this series, excuse me, ate a granola bar in between service. I should not have done that. And you did not need to know that, but there you go. <laughs> uh, in the first week of this series, well, we talked about this church father named Eusebius, who um, was in many ways a father of this idea of a special spiritual calling and everything else is just ordinary, when he said, there are two ways of life. One is perfect, that's the calling unto ministry, and the other way of life is permitted. To which it's like, well, how great to be you, Adrian. And it stinks to be you. I, I mean, that, that's what it's suggesting. And in the most gentle, loving way, I would like to say to Eusebius, baloney. Baloney. No, there's not two ways of life. There's one way of life, and it's this, a calling to follow God across every arena of life. And then there's various assignments, though, that we would take. And if we see some as more valuable inherently than others, we'll be tempted to fail our current assignments or too quickly leave our current assignments. We will talk in the series about when it's time to leave an assignment, 
But for right now, we sometimes leave them too quickly because we say we're not being fulfilled or we're not called to this. I've even heard of doctors who have said that they're leaving medicine for the ministry. No, that is ministry. Like, have you been to a great doctor who has great bedside manner, who cares for you, maybe who prays for you? What a profound ministry they have. You've been to a financial advisor who does that for you. Profound ministry to an insurance agent. There's so many professions that we can be on mission for God, that you can be on mission for God, that I will not have opportunity to be on mission for God. The key is who you work for is more important than what you do. This is the big idea today. If you take nothing else here today, you got to take this. Who you work for is way more important than what you do. Two of my heroes are these men by the names of John Newton and William Wilberforce. You see pictures of them on the screen. And John Newton, of course, was the author of the great hymn, Amazing Grace. But before his conversion to Christianity and before he became a pastor, he was in the slave trade. And he understood, after his conversion to Christ, that that would not be one of those assignments that, that would be fitting for a Christian. So he left that job, and he took training for ministry. He left the slave trade, and he became a pastor. Now, one of his good friends what was a man named well, William Wilberforce. And Wilberforce lived during the 1700s, and he was in Parliament in England. He's one of the most brilliant men in all of England. And he became a Christian at age 25, went through this miraculous conversion experience as well. And after his conversion experience, he was tempted by that idea of calling that there were some things that are better than other things. And so he almost left his position in Parliament to go into ministry. But his good friend John Newton corrected him with that and said, no, you are specifically fit to do this job in Parliament. You need to serve God in this assignment. Don't go to ministry, serve God here. And fortunately, Wilberforce said yes to that, and eventually Wilberforce described his assignment this way. God Almighty has set before me two tasks on earth. The reformation of manners in England and the suppression of the slave trade. Manners were never reformed in England or America or anywhere else. But eventually, after 40 years of putting his hand to the plow, in 1807, William Wilberforce died. And just before he died, after 40 years of presenting before Parliament bills to abolish the slave trade in England, and then fighting for those bills every single year for 40 years, he died and went to heaven and the slave trade across the Atlantic was abolished. And it almost didn't happen because of a misunderstanding of calling. Who do you work for? And how do you serve him? Who you work for is way more important than what you do. What we do is secondary. It's important, but it's secondary. The primary things are who we work for, how we work, and why we work. 
and tethering our work every day to the image of God and to making a difference in other people's lives and to providing love for our family. That's what makes a difference. Your job is not your calling. Your job is your assignment, which helps us so much when we're in assignment that we don't particularly like. Like we, we would all enjoy being in an assignment that always fulfills us, but none of us has that. We all have assignments that sometimes fulfill us and sometimes don't. And even if you're in an assignment that very rarely fulfills you, you can remember this, that you are given that assignment by the King of Kings. And he removed you from a dungeon of darkness that is yours because of sin and brought you into a palace of grace. And he gave you royal clothes that you can stand in that palace and while you may want to be a general in the king's army, even if you're only a bellhop in his palace, you're still a bellhop in the king's palace. He's rescued you from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of the sun. He loves that we love and we get to serve the king of kings and lord of lords. There are people in this church who get this. I've got a number of emails over these past weeks including for some nurses in our church. Did you know that sometimes nurses have to serve grumpy patients? I've heard from a couple of nurses in our church who are like, it's hard sometimes to serve some of these grumpy patients in Kearney. But I fall to my knees and I pray. And I ask God to help me to serve with excellence every day. And they do because they're serving the king of kings. I, I know people in this church who serve at restaurants, and they serve with a smile, and they get to know your name, and they do their best to make you feel at home at that restaurant, and they do so because they are serving the king of kings. I know a woman in this church who works at a furniture store, and when you go in and you see her, she makes you feel safe, like she's not a hawk after your money. She gives a hospitable experience because she realizes you're bigger than a wallet. She's serving the king of kings, not the mighty dollar. So we need to just ask this question again. Am I called to this one big thing? What do you think? Are you called to this one big thing? No, you're not. Sorry. I know that's like really comforting to believe that God would have one specific vocational calling for us but it's not a biblical idea. The only people in the Bible who got a specific call from God to a specific vocation are those who met face-to-face -face with Jesus, and then he called them to be a prophet or to be an apostle. It wasn't a mystical experience. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a subjective impression. It was a face-to-face -face face -face meeting well with God. They were called to a specific vocation, people like Jeremiah and Paul, for the rest of us, no, we haven't been called to one big thing. But are you called? Are you called? Yes. You're absolutely called. You're called to follow Christ in every arena of life. You're called to follow Christ as a father or as a wife, as a husband or a mother. You're called to follow Christ as an employee. You're called to follow Christ in your church commitments and in your community commitments to represent him as you work with excellence and faithfulness in everything that you do. You're called to that. 
And that should become the lion's share of our focus as we think about this idea of vocation and calling, that we have these unconditional calls. And if you live inside of this first unconditional call to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to honor the most precious relationships that God has given to us, friends, that releases the pressure valve related to this. You live from the inside out of your calling, and this right here is 90% of what God wants from you. The way we live in those, and the way we live at our jobs, not so much what we do, but who we work for and how we do it, that is what our God is after. Let me just ask you if you would do this, perhaps even this afternoon. There's some kind of game on television, though, this afternoon. And um, it might be okay, who knows. But at halftime, uh, you can give your eyes a break from lust. Amen? Amen. We give our eyes a break from lust. And you can turn the TV off. And you're going to have 30 minutes where you could meditate on these lines up on the screen. In which you begin to connect the dots around what we've been talking about these past five weeks. And you think again a little bit more about your assignment and how your assignment can be tethered to the image of God in you and the way you serve other people. And perhaps you would begin to fill this out even this afternoon. My assignment is fill in the blank, whatever your assignment is. You're a carpenter, you're a blacksmith, you're an artist, you are um, working at Eaton, you're working at Baldwin, whatever it might be, my assignment is that. But my calling is way bigger than that. For the honor of God and for the good of those that I serve. And spend a little bit of time articulating what that calling is as it relates to what you really want to accomplish in your job and in your community, in your neighborhoods, and on and on. Here's mine. Put it up on the screen. I have a vision statement in my office next to my desk that I look at, at a, on a regular basis. And my vision statement, it's not up on the screen, it goes like this. Uh, my vision is to teach and model increasing joy in the radiance of Christ and to equip other servant leaders to reconcile Carney to Christ. That's my vision. I look at that three or four times a week. But to bring it down even further... My current assignment is this, E-Free Church Pastor. And hopefully that assignment lasts a long time. God be praised if it does. But no matter what, that's not the centerpiece of who I am. That is not my identity. If that's my identity, then that's idolatry. The centerpiece of what I am is this, to become more like Christ in every arena of life. To show off the radiant beauty of God to my neighbors. To be a better father. To be a better husband. To be a better employee. To be a better co-worker. To be a better representative of Christ in everything. To be a better basketball coach. To be a better volunteer at my kids' schools. Whatever it might be. Every arena of life. Imagine this. We get to follow Christ across everything. He invites us to live from the inside out with this beautiful sense of being called, 
by the great King of kings and Lord of lords, and the way we work honors him and blesses others. I pray that perhaps this would release the pressure valve for some of the young people in the room. Maybe some of the old people in the room who say, why didn't I find my calling? You did. You found Christ, you found your calling. And then you get to spend a little bit of time looking for a job as well. But if you don't find it immediately, that's okay. I love the way St. Augustine put it. Way back in the 4th century, he says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Then go do whatever you want. And you'll be good before our God and King. Love God with everything you got. Then go do what you want and know that you are fulfilling your calling. Pray with me. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for the incredible gift of your grace in Jesus Christ that you have invited us into your family. The the center of what you've done for us is you've brought us out of the dominion of darkness, out of the dominion of sin, out of a trajectory of evil and into the dominion, the kingdom of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that you've called us. Thank you, Father, that nobody can take that calling away from us, that we are your children, that through faith in Christ, we belong to God Most High. Father, I'm asking for our church that you would help us to identify one way even right now. Everyone in this room, that you would help us to identify one way right now that we can better follow you. I'm not sure what the Lord is whispering to you right now, but I do know that the call of God to us is obedience in everything. It's following him across the board that we would reflect the glory of Christ to everyone who observes us. So if he's whispering something to you right now, just say yes to him, okay? And then pursue that. For others, God, who have been in this tangled mess around how do I find my passion? How do I find my one thing? Why can't I find my one thing? I pray, God, that you just release that pressure help them to bloom right where they're planted and to pursue the right vocation even as they understand the main thing of life is to follow Christ right where they are. Help us, Lord. We will be careful to give you all the credit for what you do in us, in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces. You're a good God and we praise you, Lord, for your call. In Christ's name.